0: All right, so let me launch um, into our material for this morning. I think this is, you know, important stuff. I I actually have grown to like talking about this stuff, and I'll explain why in a minute. This series is called Mo Money, Mo Problems, and we're talking about the the volatile nature of money. Money can do a lot of good things. It can do a lot of bad things. It can um, help a lot of people. It can tear apart families, right? We've seen that. So we're going to talk through some different biblical principles about money. We talked uh, two weeks ago about um, our relative wealth in that even the American poverty line is in the upper 3% of the world. So there's a good chance that you are in the 97 or higher percentile in terms of your yearly income. So even though we don't feel rich relative to other people, The truth is, compared to all the people on the planet or who have ever lived, we are very wealthy. Upper 3%, almost certainly, in every human being who has ever lived, you are that wealthy. But that comes with responsibility. We have to use our resources wisely and honor God with what we have. Then last week we talked about the deceitfulness of wealth, you know, fool's gold, how we think that if we can just get this thing, we will find fulfillment. But the truth is, it just keeps getting further and further away. And only God and only friendship with Jesus can give us that true inner peace that we're looking for, not wealth. Now, this morning, here's what I want to do. I do this talk about once a year. And um, I want to talk about money and the church. Uh, And the reason this talk is so important is because in this region, um, and I know it's like this other places as well, but especially in this region, man, people are just burned. Burned by uh, pastors and priests shaking them down for money. Um, I hear it uh, waiting to get my hair cut. I hear it at the ball field. I hear it at social gatherings, at school events, on Facebook. I, I am amazed at how many people are so frustrated uh, by churches asking for money. And I hope that's not true of like Polaris people and Polaris. But what I want to do is uh, I want to arm you with what the Bible says, because when we know what the Bible says, we're free, and we can interpret these kinds of, of things. Uh, I, I want you to, to know... I, I think that like there is nothing more fulfilling... I think everybody wants to be generous. We love being generous. We love helping with our money. We just need to know who we can trust, where should it go, how much does God want from us. There's nothing more fulfilling than honoring God with your finances and truly making a difference in the world. We all want that. But that's why it hurts so bad when it's used and abused because there's, I think, something innate within us. We want to be generous. But then when people use that against us, and manipulate us and misuse our generosity or whatever, it hurts. It's frustrating. So I'm going to talk through all that this morning. And again, I do this talk about once a year for new families who've never heard it. So some of y'all might know this. Some of y'all don't. Some of y'all might get with this. Some of y'all won't. Yep, get that, what I just did there, (laughs) no, there's this song, let me clear my throat, and I just quoted it, and then for those of you that are like, what's he talking about, anyway, all right, so, um, yeah, let me start, Um, I want to talk about the question, just like if we were sitting at a gathering somewhere, um, why do churches ask for money? Why do churches ask for money? Now, I get this question quite a bit, and it's usually, hey, I, got, I was talking, and a friend of mine was asking me, like, I know it's really you want to know why churches ask for money. But it's, I, one of my kids said to me the other day, why do churches ask for money? And I didn't know what the hell. So um, let's talk about that. Um, I think that, that sometimes <clears throat> when churches ask for money, it's wrong. Sometimes they're off, and sometimes it's necessary. So I want you to be able to speak intelligently about that with your friends and things. When you do hear conversations, sometimes it's wrong, sometimes it's off, and sometimes it's necessary. So, um, wrong. Uh, Sometimes pastors um, need to support, uh, choose to support a lavish, a, a, a ridiculous lifestyle. Sometimes pastors ask for money on TV and on radio and in person and they are getting enormous salaries to buy private jets and yachts and mansions and have seven-figure salaries and all that, and it's just wrong. Uh, There has been embezzlement and misuse of Christian resources since the ministry of Jesus when Judas, the Bible says, skimmed off of what people gave to Jesus' ministry. It has been going on. It is a sinful part of humanity, and people are greedy and sinful and misguided, and it's horrible, and I hate it, Uh, but sometimes when pastors ask for money, it is flat-out wrong. You can't justify it. It's terrible, and it's hurtful, and it's devastating. It is what it is. Sometimes it's just wrong. Sometimes, though, and I think, I honestly, I really believe uh, that... I've never known personally a pastor, who who that's been the case. I know they're out there, but but more often uh, when when it's when it's coming from the wrong place, they're, they're off. It's not that it's wrong and sinful and malicious and whatever. It's just that they're off. So let me explain this, because this is a real blind spot for a lot of Christian leaders. Sometimes priests and pastors and elders and leaders, um, they, they they lose sight. It's a blind spot and they start to try to build something that maybe God doesn't want built. And this is why for many pastors and priests and leaders and whatever, like they're giving of their own, they're not getting rich off of it, they're they're hugely giving from their own family resources uh, to build this thing. And so so what happens is pastors, and, and I think you can at least appreciate that um, um, it's true of us, that we have this thing we're passionate about called a church just like if somebody else was was doing their career they're passionate about it um it's an extension of themselves and and they want to do well and they want to go big and they want to do this and then you couple it with the desire to do something for god and it's like it's an extension of myself this is my work i want to do this big thing for god but then this blind spot sets in and they they want to like I want to build this $40 million thing that that is huge and big because it's for God and it's for people and it's about, you know, my work and I want legacy and I want success and I want and and all of a sudden they're just misguided building this thing that God doesn't want. Like in their mind, they feel like they're doing this great thing for God. And there's also some ego. I mean, I, you know, there's ego in that that you want, but it's it's you can at least sort of empathize because a lot of times you want, you know, your career to. And, but it's but it's off. It's like with, with so many homeless and hurting people, God maybe doesn't want this $40 million ministry thing. But it is the vision of the church leadership, because it's misguided, it's off. And then they're hitting you up for money, huge, because they want you to support their big thing like they're supporting their big thing. Do you see where it's like nobody's getting rich off of it? It's not necessarily scandalous. It's just off. And it happens. So sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're off. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes churches ask for money because it's necessary. Because it costs a lot of money to have like this. And to do this. So let me, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, this building... Which is, you know, modest, and we actually got a very good deal on this building. But you can see, I mean, we don't have the the highest upgrades around here. Um, we don't sit on golden thrones, and um, most most people that are a part of a congregation, they want a building, and they want ministry to a level of having staff. And I can promise you that, you know, our staff, I. I, I It would not be scandalous if there was this leak and you all saw our salaries. I don't think that anybody would be too upset by anything that anybody at Polaris makes, and I feel like we run pretty lean, okay? When I talk to most people and ask, like, hey, what do you think it costs per month? Like, let's say somebody asks, why did churches ask for money? And I would say, what do you think it costs per month to operate Polaris, to have what we have and do what we do with insurance and utilities and all that? Most people would guess $12,000 Twelve to $15,000 a month for payroll and insurance and building and, you know, all that. And honestly, it's about $38,000 a month. It costs about $38,000 a month just to keep the, the ship afloat. And, um, and that's, I mean, this is just us. So there's no denomination. We're an independent church. It is our collective generosity. Now, because you guys are incredible and faithful and all that, uh, just keep, you know, giving like you're giving with people who... Consider Polaris one of your cause, and we're fine. We have we have been doing great for years now. We haven't had to ask for much unless there was, like, a need for the parking lot or something like that. So I don't have to, like, please give it. You know, I don't have to do that because you guys are generous and you're supporting with what you're giving and as long as that. But you can see where some churches, if it came on hard times, a lot of people moved away, whatever, you can see where, man... I, you, you gotta ask for money from people just to keep up with, because it's expensive. I mean, if if you choose to go the building route and have the paid staff route, it's ex- it's expensive. And so a lot, of, and I think most churches that ask for money, it's just, they, they, they gotta pay the bills, and um, there's nothing scandalous, there's nothing misguided. Uh, a lot of times, that's we take an offering every week at Polaris, because we have to pay the bills um, so I hope that I hope that makes sense. I hope it's insightful. And maybe then um, what you can do is you can guide is it is it off, is it wrong, or is it necessary, and help some of your friends and things that are frustrated um, have some insight into, into that um, for why churches ask for money. You have any questions about that specifically, just come talk to me, come talk to the elders. Um, I'd love to talk with you more about that. So that's, that's why churches typically ask for money. So let's talk about, um, I want to talk about four principles that can give you guidance so that you can have peace um, with thinking through like how generous does God want me to be? How can I get giving right? Um, how can I know that, that I'm in the right lane for generosity um, help you interpret when, you, when, you, when you're asked by people to help support things? How can you have peace with all that? Like, what does the Bible say about giving? What does the Bible say about giving? Because if we know that, then we're ready for any situation where church leadership or whatever, if Polaris would ever fly off the rails, and I'm asking for the, you know, the Polaris Escalade, um, you'd know these biblical principles and can decide what do I need, you know, to be a part of, okay? So, um, yeah, yeah, just, just... well, if you're giving one away, I'll take one, Herb. (laughs) These principles can help you, okay? Principle number one, you are blessed, first and foremost, to be a blessing. You are blessed to bless others. Step into that flow of life and it will have a huge impact on your peace and on your fulfillment and on your joy. It's fun. It's fun to live like that. You are blessed, first and foremost, to be a blessing. Now, there is a place in in Scripture that all kinds of of scholars uh, agree is kind of a hinge. It's a turning point in Scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 12. It's when God steps in And begins to direct humanity a certain way. And what you could say, um, what I could honestly tell you, is I believe that this kind of frames up what the rest of the Bible is about. So the 12th chapter, God steps in and redirects humanity, and, and it frames up what the Bible is about. Okay, so here we go. The Lord said to Abram or Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred or your people... And your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, this is massive what God. Let me talk to you in tribal language because this was ancient, 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 ancient humanity. God said, Leave your tribe. I'm going to start a new tribe through you over here. Go to this place. I'm going to start a tribe through you. And through your tribe, I will bless you so that you will bless others. This was a radical new way of thinking. Because in tribal world, you took your tribe and gained everything you could for self-preservation at the expense of other tribes. <clears throat> it was about self-preservation. It was about conquest. It was not about doing things to bless other tribes. He said, I'm going to change this up, and through your tribe, you are going to be blessed to be a blessing. Now, do we have that down as a humanity now? Like, do the nations exist for the good of others, to bless others? Do corporations exist so that everybody is blessed, or, or is it more about self We still haven't gotten this down. We're still working on this. But this new tribe that God would create to bless the world ultimately would give uh, Jesus when God became flesh and gave himself away for the good of others, that's what scripture's about. Helping us step into a flow of life that understands that God blesses us first and foremost for us to bless others. And when you stop fighting to gain, And think about how can I bless everything changes. Like like when people make that shift in life, they'll be able to look back and say, Man, there was life before that, and now there's life after that. It changes everything when you decide I am blessed in order to bless others. Okay, so that's the first principle. Second principle, this is huge. And people who live like this. I mean, there are two kinds of people. People who who live like they're an owner of their stuff and people who live like they're a steward of their stuff. I'm telling you, the best kind of flow in life is to be a steward, not an owner. In other words, it's all God's. You're just holding it for him. You're just using it for him. You are a steward entrusted with God's resources. Now, this is a hard one for us because a lot of us think... Um this is my hard-earned money. right? This is my hard-earned money. I worked hard for this. I sacrificed for this. I invested. I earned it. It's mine. But the truth is, anything we did to gain money, we ultimately got from God, you used your brain that God gave you. you, used your communication ability, you used your ability to see and touch, and whatever your trait is, you used the, the limbs that God gave you that not everybody has, to gain it, it's all God's. And it's OK. To believe this because we learn this other principle with, with, with stewardship versus ownership. When we are faithful with what God entrusts us with, he entrusts us with more. This is as true as the law of gravity. I've seen it time and time and time again. When we're faithful as stewards, God entrusts us with more. Here's scripture, Matthew 25. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Talk more about this in a couple weeks. Jesus says, for it will be like a man, talking about life with God, like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property, entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, you could also translate that bag of gold, to another two, to another one according to his own ability. Then he went away. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them and he Uh, who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, so he doubled it. He doubled his master's money. Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made you five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy or the happiness of your master. So what we see here is Jesus saying, when you are faithful as a steward with God's resources... He will entrust you with more. And I love that translation there, the joy or the happiness. He's like, if you want to understand a happy flow to life, understand that God's the owner, you're the steward, and as you join him and are faithful with what he's given you, he'll entrust you with more. Now, here's what I'm not saying. It's all God's. Give it. Like, it all belongs to God's house, so give it. Here's the deal. If it's God's, you better be extra careful what you do with it You better be careful what you support with it, because if I let you borrow money or hold my money and you invested in something that made me look bad, I wouldn't be very happy about that. So we need to be careful where we give God's money and what we give God's money to support, right? Because it's God's money. Let's use it in ways that honor him. Okay, now, this brings me to the third principle and these next uh, two principles, principle three, principle four. I want this to help you know how much and what. How much and what. So this this is 2 Corinthians 9. It says, pray about your cause and your gift. Pray about your cause and your gift. Don't be gilded into giving anything. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Incidentally, you want to talk about the law of gravity. It's as true as that. that principle. is as true as the law of gravity. You reap what you sow on a lot of levels and a lot of different ways in life. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because some priest or pastor called you or shook you down for more money, For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work. So listen. It's supposed to be something you've decided in your heart not under compulsion. So if somebody has if there's some priest or pastor figure some church leadership thing that is like gilding you manipulating you hassling you shaking you down That's probably not from God. That's not how God wants it to work. It's about you praying and discerning the cause and the amount. The cause, because there's a lot of great things that God calls people to give toward. There's a lot of great causes. And I I just, this, this is also why, well, that's not the only reason why, but like, I don't scour the offerings because I have no idea where God has called you to give toward. It's not like I got some spreadsheet that's like, okay, uh, he drives uh, this vehicle, so he should be given this amount of money, like $20. Huh? I, saw that, I saw that Yukon that you came in with. Let's, uh-huh. You could be given tons and tons of money to some great cause God has called you toward and nothing to Polaris. And you're completely obedient to what God has called you toward. I could never look and say, hey, where's our cut? Because I have no idea what God has called you to give toward. I do know that God wants you to be generous. There's something out there that God wants you to be generous toward. I have no idea what it is. And I know that your life at its best won't happen until you step into that flow of where God wants you to give and how much God wants you to give, but you need to think hard and pray hard about what cause he lays on your heart and the amount. All right, now, let's, let's get to this fourth principle here. You will never outgive god you will never outgive god i had to fix that the screen last service said you will never outlive god which is also true <laughs> hmm. i have seen this principle i'm going to i'm going to walk you through a scripture in a minute here and it's it's like the big guns it's, it's the real, it's, it's okay. Um, 20 years, I have seen this principle. It is effective 100% of the time. It is like gravity. It is like Novocaine. It will work 100% of the time. It, it, I, I do this talk at once a year. And I almost always have somebody come up to me like, man, I tried that, and oh my gosh, I can't believe how it's affected our family, how it's affected whatever blessings, whatever. I have never once in 20 years had somebody say, yeah, I did that, it didn't work, and that's garbage. Okay? Never. There is no evidence for the God of the Bible like this principle if I could help every atheist see what I've seen with this principle that I'm about to share, there would be no atheists. It is unreal. It's like I, like God operates on a faith basis, but he tips his hand here. Uh, I, I could do open mic for people who have tried this, and we would be here for hours with people sharing their stories. I, I just, again... You do what you want to do with this. I'm just telling you, if I'm lying, I'm dying, that I have only seen this work in my own life and the lives of others. Okay, so here we go. What you do with this is on you. Okay, I'm not, I don't think any less of you. And honestly, only 25, less than 25% of Christians do this. Okay, so like of Christians who will say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the God of the Bible. I believe Scripture is true. Less than 25% will actually do this, what we're going to talk about. So here we go. Malachi 3. Malachi 3. You robbed me. This is God talking. You robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines on your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. In other words, life will go well for you, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, <clears throat> this is difficult. I know. It, it's, this is, this, that's, <laughs> a tithe is 10%. It's the first 10%. Um, that's a lot of money. God's saying 10% of everything you make belongs to my causes, That's what God says. And if you will honor him in that, he will throw open the floodgates of heaven and he even says, test me in this. God never says, test me. Like, that's God stepping out of character. He says, test me in this. And I'm telling you, I know, that that's that's a luxury car payment for a lot of people, 10%. That's a house payment for some people, 10%. That's a lot of money. But I am telling you, I have seen it time and time again. And every year when I do this talk, six months later, I'll have somebody like, you know what, we didn't know how to do it, but we just decided to start trying it. And I can't believe how it's brought us closer to God, how the presence of God is more real, how this happened and this happened. There are, there are story after story of like, we had this thing break, and we didn't have any money for it, and this refund check came in that I wasn't even expecting, and it was for the exact dollar amount. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you, Time and time again, and I don't know where your 10% needs to go, I don't know what God's going to tell you to do with it, but I'm telling you, I have seen it time and time and time again. There would be no atheists if people would see how that works the way I've seen it. And there are some of you here nodding your head because you are a firm believer in tithing and you have seen it in your own life and there's just no, I mean, it's story after story after story after story. It's the law of gravity. And I don't, like, I'm not, I don't need you to, I don't think any less of you. If you don't, I, you can walk out of here and just be like, whatever. I, I, I don't, again, it, this is not me. I just, I just, I just want you to know about it. Like, that's my role, is just, you just need to know about it, because it's there, and it works. It's a spiritual law. Now, some of you, are like nodding your head, yeah, because you've seen it, and you know. Some of you are like, no way. <clears throat> okay, choose your favorite expletive, no way. And it could be because, no, don't really choose your favorite expletive. <laughs> I just know what you're really thinking. Um, maybe you're at a place where you're like, uh, I, like, like, so for some of you, it's no way because you're, you're not, you would never be on the same page with your spouse, and that's something that, you know what, you, you, you need to feel okay about that. The Bible says that when you and your spouse are at odds over faith, that, you know, as long as it's not like abusive or something like that, um, just be submissive and, and let time do its thing and, and be loving and caring. And, and you need to not leave feeling guilty about this, okay? That's not, that's, not um, that's just not a place where you're at because you're not in agreement with your spouse over, over this. And some of you are at a place where, um, <clears throat> like, you don't, you just don't have any, you, you need other people's generosity. And I, while I'm not saying you're off the hook, you've got to work that out with God, I, but I, I think, that I personally believe that, that there are seasons where God may be saying, you know what, let my people take care of you, and I'll get you to a place where you can start helping others. With, like, some of you are like, I'd love to give. But it just ain't happening right now. But there's another group of people that I'd be a little more concerned about. Not, not judging, just concerned. Like if you jumped out of a plane with what I thought was a backpack, I'm just concerned. Like I don't think that's a parachute, dude. You know, concerned. I'm not judging you. I'm just concerned. Okay? I had a friend a while back, uh, about 20 years ago, we were at this, um, we were at this uh, um, like seminar on finances and tithing and honor God with your finances and I talked about tithing and he looked at me and he's just like we can't like oh, we can't and, and it's one of the again I'm not, it's not a judging thing it's just, I just knew because I was friends with the guy like they lived in a nice neighborhood like nice neighborhood and his truck was nice and his, you know huge sports memorabilia collection high end clothes And it's like, you know, I didn't say anything. I was only 22 at the time. I don't think I'd say anything anyway. But it's like, really, you can't? I'm thinking that, like, if one of your family members was diagnosed with something, you had to come up with 10% to help them live, you probably would be able to make some adjustments. Um, So maybe it's not that we can't. Maybe it's just a choice thing. And that's, again... God lets you make that choice. And I don't think, seriously, I don't, you're, not, I'm not, you're not going to hell because you don't tithe. Like, that's just a... Uh, <laughs> see, I love the honesty of this church. Um... It's just one of those spiritual blessings thing that, man, I, I would love for everybody to see God work in their life um, when they trust him with something like that. Because that's, that's a big leap of trust. And God responds. He says, test me in this, and he'll respond. And, and he just does. He just does. So, so listen, um. um you have any questions about any of this, just, just come talk to me. I, I'd love to talk about this kind of a thing. Uh, I, I love to help people overcome uh, the hurt and pain uh, from money in the church. Um, i love to open eyes to what God really says. I hope that you'll step into a flow that says, um, uh, I'm blessed to be a blessing, and you will be blessed as you are a blessing. I hope you'll make the move to see everything you have is from God, and especially like even like, like you're, you're raising God's kids. They're first and foremost God's kids. That's God's house. That's whatever. That's, that you're, you're. Um, I, I hope you will take some real time and, and, and space to pray about what God wants you to give and how much. And man, I would, I would love for you to consider trying tithing. I think that you'll be blown away. And how God responds to that. I don't know where he wants you to give it. Um, but I, I think that you'd be blown away. Uh, if you gave that a shot for a few months. Just just said alright God. I'm going to test you in this. So again. Um, any, any, any thoughts. Any questions. Any concerns. Talk to me. Talk to the elders. Uh, I want you to feel good about this. Um, I want you to get past any bitterness. Because um, there's too much to benefit from generosity. To just write it all off. And throw the baby out with the bathwater. All right, let's stand, and we're going to pray, and you can uh, go have a good week. God, uh, thank, you for, um, thank you for calling us out of selfishness and um, pointing us toward a better approach to life. I want to pray that you would purge your church, that you would purge this church, that you would purge any kind of character flaw in the leadership of this church that would misuse your resource, your your resources that would misuse your wealth. I want to pray that you would heal where there is woundedness and bitterness. Pray that you would build up trust and character that, that deserves trust in your church. I want to pray that you would give us crystal clarity about what you want us to give toward and how much so that we could feel what it's like to be your representative in this world to bring healing, to bring hope through generosity I want to pray that you would redeem this practice in your church so that your name would be honored and lifted up In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week.